Cool stuff. Stuff that's cool. What is cool? Cool is an adjective meaning a fairly low temperature, but that's not why we're here. Cool also informally means fashionably attractive, impressive or excellent. Is it cool to read dictionary definitions? Uncertain. Is it cool to say all this in a manner similar to Jeff Goldblum? Probably. Is Jeff Goldblum cool? Undoubtedly. Join us as we take a hunting knife to the carcass of the wild animal we just shot and have a poke around its insides. The wild animal being a slightly disturbing metaphor for the definition of cool. Hi, I'm Zeke. And I'm Luke. And without further ado, shall we take a dip in? What's the first thing you think is cool, Luke? So, um, something that I think is very cool and right. very fresh in my mind today is I went to see the new Avengers film oh, right. today. Yeah, yeah. And that was very cool. Um, I won't go into too many spoilers because, you know, mm-hmm. everyone will get really mad at us really quickly. Um, but basically, it's now possibly the biggest film. I think mm-hmm. it, was, it broke records bef- uh, for, like, biggest box office opening weekend and it's not even the weekend yet and right. it's just purely on pre-sales like people have booked out tickets for it i mean i know our local view basically had no spare seats on friday night saturday night or sunday night so it sold out three screens at that cinema for three days over the whole weekend that's crazy and i thought um the fact that this little sort of nerdy film that could when iron man first came out with Robert Downey Jr., who was a struggling... Because he was nobody back then, because he had drug problems and all this sort of stuff, and now it's the biggest film event in history that sold out multiple screens in cinemas everywhere. Yeah. And I just thought that was really cool. And uh, then I saw the film. Yeah. And um, it was really cool, and uh, it was huge. Uh, I don't think a film has ever made me so stressed out... Right. <laughs> ...for a, a two-and-a-half-hour period as this film did. Because they've, they've kind of like crammed everyone into it from yeah. Marvel, haven't they, really? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's not really spoilers, but the only people not in it are like Ant-Man right. and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And they've not pulled those guys into it um, no. at all yet. But it's a two-parter, so they're probably going to be in uh, the sort of next part of the film, mm. um, which will be fine. Because it sort of leaves it in a position where those guys can come in at a later stage and then you've got the Ant-Man film coming out anyway so there'll be hmm. all of that upcoming but it's just weird to see this when Iron Man came out and it made barely any money to now yeah this really so was the original Iron Man was that uh, owned by Marvel or was that one of the ones that Sony made so that was um, that was the first sort of proper Marvel MCU right. film that came out um, and that was when Marvel essentially opened their own studios and went, we can do this ourselves. Mm. And so they tried to do it themselves and they came out with Iron Man. Um, didn't really have any budget. Well, they had a budget, obviously. Well, yeah. um, but nowhere near what they've got now. And then they brought in Captain America from latest ones and all just gone. They basically set themselves like this 10-year plan and mm. stuck rigidly to it. And it's all come to fruition Oh, with cool. this new Avengers film. Yeah. And it's sort of like they knew they planned Infinity War for 2018 back in 2008 when Iron Man came out. Oh, cool. And now it's like it is 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being like sort of at college watching Iron Man 
for the first time in the cinema and now I've gone to see mm. this new Avengers, the culmination of 10 years worth of films. Yeah. If you, it's quite interesting because you say, you know, it was 10 years ago when you first watched Iron Man. Have the... Because obviously I, I, I've seen a few of them but I'm not as kind of up into them. I've, I can't even remember the last one I watched. So I remember when I still lived at home watching the first four and some other ones like that and um, I can't even remember what the most recent one we watched was but have they kind of grown as well have you noticed that like being 10 years older now are the films better yeah so they've kind of grown with their audience really so Mm. where Iron Man was it aimed at 12 year olds and it was very much squarely in that target market it realizes now that those 12 year olds are 22 year olds so Mm. it's gone a bit more mature there's a bit of language here and there yeah obviously with um with deadpool and the wolverine film that came out uh a few years back it kind of opened up the fact that comic book film fans are these big older people now and like mm-hmm. Deadpool was huge and Logan was huge and they were 15 to 18 films mm. and they're just massive so it was sort of it allowed the Avengers and this and everything else to kind of grow with it I've not seen Black Panther so I can't do that no but um you take like Thor the Dark World some mm. about five or six years ago um and that was incredibly dark because it was like almost as those 12 year olds were going into Sort of puberty time and then right. everyone had like their emo phase and all of this sort of stuff Thor went really dark and really weird and stuff like that and then now you've got Ragnarok that came out the other day mm-hmm. which was directed by the other day about six months ago directed <laughs> by um, Taika Waititi from Flight of the Concords really so they've taken Thor from being this really dark gritty emo guy to a comedy yeah and it's one of the funniest films I've seen yeah in years because he is a incredible funny guy yeah I, I remember the the advert for that uh, the hype because they were saying he, um, Thor was annoyed he was missed out a civil war yeah. so he made his he got his own mate or something <laughs> yeah. like that I remember that must have been like a well it must it obviously was the PR for the film but I guess that as well was showing it was funny but yeah I was listening to um, listening to the radio earlier and they were talking about Infinity War Um and they were saying it's really good how one minute it can flip from uh, a serious monologue to injecting that tiny bit yeah. of comedy in there as well. So I guess there always has been that kind of balance because, you know, the original medium was a comic. Yeah, right? absolutely. So with all that kind of stuff. So how how faithful to the comics has the film's been? Well, you were saying earlier it's a, it's a three-parter, isn't it? Or... Two part, two part, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's been really quite faithful. Yeah, um, up to the end of it now. I can't. Right. Re- I don't really want to go too far into it. That's fine. For any of the listeners, but um, it's been incredibly faithful for sort of Thanos getting the Infinity Gauntlet and stuff mm. like that. And he does stuff very quickly, right. so it opens up, and some of the big things that happen happen within the first five minutes of the film. Okay, and then it will cut away to a funny bit. Mm. Um, after like this huge serious first 10 minutes and then it's making you laugh like five minutes after that yeah. bit as well like sort of what you were saying a second ago about that flitting from really serious monologues to really good funny bits as well Okay. but the directors the Russo brothers have always been incredibly good at doing that because mm. um, have you seen The Civil War? 
No. Because they directed that as well. Right. And there's a bit where all the heroes have come at each other. So Iron Man's fighting, Captain America, and all this, and uh, over the Winter Soldier, essentially, because they changed the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the win- Spider-Man comes in, beats the Winter Soldier and Falcon up, and basically pins them to the floor. Right. And it just sort of zooms out and it's this really serious moment because all these Avengers are fighting each other hmm. and he, Falcon just looks at Bucky and he just goes I hate you <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one in Avengers as well uh, you know when um, Loki tries to talk down to Hulk and then the Hulk just obliterates just grabs him. him and just like smashes him into the floor <laughs> and there's yeah and there's that one bit with the Hulk as well and Thor's next to him and they do something and then just Hulk just punches yeah. him and sends him flying. I just remember the entire audience erupting at that. It's brilliant. So they've always been, especially the Russo brothers who directed this, and then Marvel's just got quite funny recently. Mm. And then through the maturity of the actual audience as well, it's been able to use a bit more swear words here and there. Oh, right. So there's a bit where Taika, Taika, how do you pronounce his name? Um, he plays like this rock guy yeah. made of rocks in Thor Ragnarok right and um, Loki's in it mm. and he appears as like a spectral form and he's talking to Thor and then he disappears and then Taika Waititi's character runs on kicks the wall and just shouts piss off ghost <laughs> 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 and it's like you just don't expect it from a Marvel film you just piss like, off ghost <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's quite a well thought out monologue cool well yeah I um I think I, I'm going to see it at some point, but I don't know what um, what films maybe I should have made sure I've seen at least before going to see that. I'd suggest watching all the Avengers ones, right? Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and The Civil War, and you'll probably get enough of a grasp of what's going on and where everyone is by that point. Okay. Um, Thor Ragnarok is worth watching, mm-hmm. um, but if you miss like Spider-Man Homecoming, it doesn't really make much difference because he's you know it or you don't and it doesn't make any difference to the story in Infinity War so you can do that Um, apparently it's worth watching Black Panther Mm. um, because at the end of Civil War Bucky ends up going to Wakanda where Black Panther lives and it embellishes his story a bit but essentially he's there and he's cured and then he's in the film (laughs) okay cool alright so that was uh the first cool thing we've discussed, which is Infinity War. Is it called Infinity War? <laughs> yeah, is it Infinity the Avengers War. Infinity War? The Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. There we go. Bloody old granddad. <laughs> All right. Um, I just want to uh, just apologise if we're making any sort of weird noises. We're getting used to our little surroundings. Um, I think we might be knocking the tripod holding the microphone every now and then. Um, I keep but... playing with my pen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I keep breathing heavily. <laughs> so, because we're cool guys. Yeah, and that, that's cool things to do. So bear with us. Um, okay, one of the first ones I want to say, uh, I think, is cool. Yeah, uh, is where we live, and that is Devon. You know, um, shall we have a little gush about Devon? Will you join Absolutely. me on that? Absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, as a location. Um, it's just great. We we live in Exeter. Um, you know, we've got within about twenty minutes drive from wherever we are. We've got um, we've got Haytor, we've got Exmouth Beach. We've got quite a few beaches. We could go to Dawlish. Um, you could go up the top to Ilfracombe. Uh, we've just got nice green around us, and it's just quite a nice area to live. 
to be honest. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love Lavinia. So I had a really cool moment earlier. Yeah. I was getting the bus home and I came up the top of Stoke Hill and was going round. Mm. And as the bus turned round, I had a picturesque view of the whole of Exeter and the fields and stuff. Yeah. And I found that as it was turning around the corner, my head kept turning to keep an eye on this view the entire time until yeah. I couldn't see it anymore. And I was like, I love Devon so much. It's, it's nice, brilliant. isn't it? Mm. And you know, when we've been up to London or Bristol, places like that, you go up and go, oh, wow, do you know, this is really cool. But I, th- I don't know, I can't say for definite, but I feel like being somewhere busy like London, for example, would wear quite thin after a while when you're not seeing much, uh, much like local landscape around you. It's just like a bit of, well, it's a big concrete jungle, isn't it? I think given our careers as marketers as well mm. that if we were in London we'd see the inside of an office building for about 15 hours a day yeah and then we wouldn't get anything else whereas here it's a bit more chilled out and then we can leave the office and we've got Devon on the doorstep yeah like go for a walk outside of my office and you're on the quay <laughs> like that's one great. Of, possibly one of the most beautiful places I've seen and just mm. nice to just walk up and down the quay and sort of chill out mm. have a pizza yeah yeah and not to sound too old, but it's going to be even nicer now as we get into summer. It sounds like a you know a right conversation too old biddies would be having, <laughs> wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it's going to be nice when the sun picks up. But so it's a stark contrast to gushing over the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't say we don't give you variety. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it, when it gets into the summer, that's when normally we go out and about um, just exploring all over the place. I mean, we would talking before about when it when the weather picks up and whatnot just going on a massive kind of food tour of devon yeah yeah so that'd be quite fun a bit like man v food uh but maybe not end up in hospital or anything (laughs) like that because i don't know because the guy who did that he had to stop, didn't he? He um he had to stop because his doctors told him to. And then I think it was about a year later, his doctors told him that medically he needs to be a vegan for a bit. Yeah. Because he'd consumed so much meat right. that he had to just not consume meat for a bit. Like, That's almost crazy. Almost like an overdose of meat. <laughs> and so now he's, he's vegan at the minute. I think he's going back to being non-vegan, but it's crazy. Yeah. I remember uh, watching that every Sunday on Dave... Uh, if you're not from the United Kingdom, Dave is not a person. It's a name of a TV channel. But every Sunday after a night out, I'd end up putting that on and you just watch the food being mm. made and eating that stuff. You just go, oh, that's so good. And normally what you crave after, you know, when you're hungover is some dirty food. Yeah, absolutely. So nine times out of ten, I managed to get myself out of bed go downstairs and make just some proper dirty things like frying bacon in a frying pan with honey (laughs) i remember you with honeyed bacon oh that was so good that was one of my best eras um i can't really remember it must have been just lots of variations of food involving honeyed bacon (laughs) yeah as much meat and cheese as you can fit between two slices of bread and still get your mouth around it yeah so, yeah, so Devon is cool. Uh, you know, Somerset. Mm, yeah, it's okay. It's not Devon. Um, Cornwall. It's like our strange cousin, Somerset. Well, it is. We know it's there, but it's not us. And then we have Cornwall, <laughs> which is just beaches. Yeah. 
over and over. Because you, you went to uni in Cornwall for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I went down to Falmouth. And um, as much as it was really nice for the first week, hmm. it got boring quick. Because yeah. I was down there for uni, so I was expecting pubs and bars. And there was one cocktail bar, one pub, <sighs> one club. Oh, what was that? What was that really disgusting drink you made us have when we used to come down? Was it Cookie Monster? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because I remember that cocktail bar. That was crazy. Yeah, it was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't a nice. It wasn't a nice. And I was adamant that it was incredible. Yeah. And this was the era when we were drinking things called juggernauts. That yeah, they were basically measuring jugs full of what normally had spices in, and we just put as much vodka into it as possible, and then a bit of juice, and shout the juggernaut, <laughs> and drink them. Oh, no, like, you're right, but I had some good times. Uh, my kind of, I feel like in a way I experienced the best of university, because I actually didn't go to university, but I came to see you when you are in Falmouth, I came to see you up at Scumfort when you are at Hull, and I just got to enjoy all the nights out. Yeah, you came for all the partying, yeah. and with none of the debt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe in a roundabout way, what we're saying is, don't bother go to uni, just find a mate who is and go to all their house parties. If I did it all over again, because I went to uni to get into marketing, yeah. and then got into marketing on the summer on the summer holidays and then never went back to uni. <laughs> I was like, well, my foot's in the door now. Well, you know, I've already done it. Yeah, yeah. so, job done. Yeah, right. So, Okay, then to square that off, another thing we think is cool is Devon. Absolutely. I've got um, a little food or drink cool thing that I found out recently. Right. Is um, vanilla Coke hmm. is now in Coke Zero form. Oh, is it? Yeah, so um, I'm drinking, I've got it right here as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but because of the uh, sugar tax in the UK, all, yeah. the, all the new Coke flavours have now gone sugar-free. So okay. you can get vanilla Coke, cherry Coke, peach Coke, mango Coke, all these Cokes. Peach Coke and mango Coke is not very nice, but vanilla Coke <laughs> is now sugar-free, and it just means that I can drink as much as I want mm. without any of the guilt. <laughs> nice. So is it just in Coke Zero or have they kind of brought in, uh, it's a diet as well? No, it seems to just be in Coke Zero because yeah. I think, because they're both the same. Yeah. I can't taste the difference. People it's, swear they can taste the difference, but they can't. I can't. I, I'm pretty much under the impression it's just the marketing. That's what I'm sure of as well. And I, yeah, I thought at some point, you know, I've been adamant this has been my belief for a while that they made Coke Zero because men you know not to stereotype too much but wouldn't touch diet because mm. like oh you're having a diet drink yeah. oh you're woofter or, or whatnot but it, that's never really since I've kind of known that it hasn't really bothered me so, no I know what you mean I, I'm happy to drink diet coke I don't really care I'll drink coke zero but um it's funny you should mention that to be fair because even these days if you see like the diet coke ads they're very clearly full of sort of women mm. and they're like they're the sexy builder ad from years ago where he like came up shirtless oh, oh that was for women was it <laughs> <laughs> and then um it, when we were in the cinema radio a coke zero ad pops up yeah and this this nurse gives it to this old guy mm. and he's like she's like do you want a coke zero he's like i've never tried one. Oh, i've seen and that then on he, like, tv tries yeah. it and he's like what else haven't i tried and he goes like motorbiking <laughs> dive bombing and all this like manly stuff and i'm like well we know who you're targeting yeah it, it, it must be 
And I, I remember when we were younger, um, when we used to go down the skate park a lot, and we'd normally buy a two-litre bottle of drink or something, and always, without fail, was Pepsi Max. Yeah. Never diet Pepsi. I think I could, in my head, discern the difference between the two. But maybe that was just marketing and perception as well, you know? Yeah, I think it's sort of in your head you think it tastes different, so it tastes different. Sort of like a placebo yeah. effect. But yeah, Pepsi, because it was always Pepsi Max. We wouldn't even get normal Pepsi. No. It would be Pepsi Max, which was... Maximum at, Pepsi! It was aimed at us, yeah. and it was basically their way of going, aiming Pepsi at kids, but not putting the sugar in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Here's some Pepsi, kids. It's Pepsi Max. And they're like, zero sugar. Maximum. <laughs> no sugar for the kids. And I think I remember the advertising campaigns for that being ex- quite extreme as well. I think I remember one TV advert where it was like, you know those toys you can buy where they're just sticky and they've got big balls for hands and legs and you stick them to a window and what they end up doing is kind of falling down the window. Oh, yeah. But each time they do, they stick to it. Yeah. I, I remember there was one where like he was at the top of a, a skyscraper and his mates were like, go on, do it, do it. And he, uh, yeah, he did it, a big version, and that was Pepsi Max. I don't ever remember a... <laughs> A diet Pepsi advert. No. Do you remember? I think it was a Pepsi advert years ago, and it was David Beckham with some other footballers taking on some sumo wrestlers playing no, football. I don't think I saw that. No. I think it was around one of the World Cups or something, but that was quite strange. <laughs> <laughs> Drink adverts are weird. Yeah. Stem and perfume ads, I can never put my finger on why they have gone in the direction they've gone. It's it's because they're quite difficult to explain, aren't they? They're not yeah, a very yeah. visual thing. It it relies on the sense of taste or the sense of smell yeah. or something like that. But you're right with um with perfume ads and whatnot. It's just like how how? Yeah. What has that got to do with this? And you smell it and it's like, I don't know, there's this woman riding a motorbike, it's a bit like a Kira style, just in some sort of metropolis. So is this perfume going to smell of gasoline? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it probably just smells like juniper berries or something yeah. like that. I don't, I don't know. But I remember the Davidoff Cool Water one from back when Lost was huge. Oh, yeah. It was just um, Sawyer from Lost on a boat in a lake, and then he dived off the boat on a lake, yeah. topless, and then it was like, Davidoff. <laughs> and you vividly remember that and, advert. Uh, I've never I've used yeah well I've used Davidoff Cool War ever since so <laughs> and I watch the advert every night on YouTube I've got it downloaded <laughs> <laughs> on all my devices <laughs> and our by extension of um, vanilla coke being sugar free is things like Sprite have started trying new flavours as well and there's a Sprite cucumber flavour what which I bought because I was like, I've got to try this. It's going to be the weirdest, weirdest thing I've ever tried. And mm. I had it and I was like, this is delicious. Is it? And all I can think about now, because it's like lemon and cucumber. Yeah, yeah. All I want to do is mix that with gin though. I'm like, pour that into a glass, pour gin on that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't cucumber water one of those really pretentious drinks? It's probably why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was, I just... I've got this um, this kind of soundbite in my head of some posh person going, would you like some cucumber water? To be fair, this five-star hotel me and Sally went to on our honeymoon, yeah. was um, they came round to like the beach things and they were like, cucumber water? And then I went to the gym there and it was just, all it had was a big jug 
of water with loads of cucumber slices in it. (laughs) So yeah, you're probably onto something because this was like honeymoon resort and all they'd offer really was like cucumber water. You couldn't get like normal water. (laughs) I would have thought it wouldn't really flavour it too much because most of a cucumber is water. Yes, it just tastes like water water. Yeah, (laughs) would you like some water water? Hmm, twice the water. (laughs) Yes, go on then, twice as hydrated. (laughs) It's just... It tastes like cucumber skin. Hmm. That's all it tastes like. So you get like a twang of cucumber skin and that's about it, really. It's supposed to be good for you, but the only way I can think it's good for you is if you proceed to eat the cucumber afterwards. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you remember virgin cola? No. I yes. Think... Yes, I think I do. Yeah. Like yeah. The, 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 like the last I saw of it is it was being sold like six packs for a quid at Poundland. Oh, yes, I do remember Virgin Cola. Because it just flopped. Yeah. Like, I don't know, obviously Virgin have done multiple things over the years. We had Virgin Megastore in the high street for a bit, Mm. Virgin Media, um, Virgin Mobile, lots of different things. Cola. (laughs) Do you know what? (laughs) We're tired of having... uh, technology and media-based products. We need to get into sodas. <laughs> Branson's had his hand in everything, though, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, he's tried absolutely everything. Mm. He did Virgin... I don't know, I can't even think of random stuff, but he had to sell half his business. Yeah. Um, by law, because he had too much state control. <laughs> yeah, he, could have been, he could have basically corporately become a dictator. Yeah. Because yeah. he owns most of the... Yeah, that would mean Yeah, weird, like such it? a stranglehold on all things. Yeah. Like you could, back in his prime, you could go into any household and it would be like Virgin Broadband, Virgin TV, yeah. Virgin Phone. Like, wait, those are the three things I've got already. <laughs> I can't think of any other Virgin things right now. Virgin Cola. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? That's, that'd be very dystopian. I can't believe I was just trying to describe his sharehold on the entire world all I did was describe virgin media it's almost like you just looked behind me and saw what was oh a virgin media box yeah yeah okay so that was uh we kind of segued a bit from (laughs) coke into Richard Branson I mean he's pretty cool he's probably the coolest businessman out there he could go on cool things he could you know one day, maybe, we'll have Richard Branson on here. If you're listening, Richard Branson, we'd love to have you as a guest. Yeah. <laughs> From episode one. Yeah. Always welcome. Yeah. So, then, the next cool thing I'd like to discuss at the moment is the video game I'm playing, which is Mass Effect Andromeda. I've been massively into... <laughs> massive Mass Effect. Been massively into that recently. I I think I got into it because I was watching Star Trek Discovery on Netflix, and then just I was getting massively into that. It remembered how I used to be like the Mass Effect trilogy on yeah. PS3 and Xbox, and Andromeda had a bit of a troubled launch, didn't it? Yeah, I guess because it was really buggy at the start and loads of things were unfinished. But obviously, mm. you've come quite late. How long has it, it been out now? Uh, so I want to say a year. Let's have a look, shall we? Um, yeah, I think Andromeda came out for about a year ago. Um, so you, you've obviously come to it a bit late, so a lot of the bugs and mm. issues that were there have been patched out. Yeah. Sort of, I remember um, one of the main ones trending across Reddit for ages was the uh, the dead person facial expressions on, like, 
people that you're talking to. Oh, yeah. So, like, they'd be going across this really emotional, serious monologue of an absolute deadpan, emotionless face. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ryder, you must help us. We are... Our whole families are dying. And you look at the girl and she's just not blinking. <laughs> and then, um, I think it suffered from a bit of Ubisoft bugs as well, where, mm. like... Um, at one point, if you played the game in a certain way, for some reason, all the characters' eyelids and lips would disappear. Oh, so yeah. you just see, like, teeth and eyes, like, yeah. staring at you. That's crazy. So, Mass Effect Andromeda uh, came out in 21st of March 2017. So it's just been over out a year. A year and a bit. It's, it came up on, um, on the PlayStation Store for me because after watching, as I said, after watching Star Trek Discovery, I thought... Do you know what? I'd really like it if there was a remastered trilogy of Mass Effect on the PS4. So I was looking for that. And then I was just browsing the PlayStation Store and I saw that Mass Effect Andromeda was on there. And it was only like 15 quid. Yeah. And I remember being quite sceptical because there was all this, um, all the, the kind of the general consensus was... It, it was it wasn't very it, Yeah, it was. It was slammed. And it just didn't live up to the Mass Effect name. I mean, Mass Effect kind of ruined it. In my eyes, with Mass Effect 3, the ending, I was just like, what on earth? I enjoyed Mass Effect 3 the entire game just until it got to the end. Ending. It was just like, what? And, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I had this kind of preconception that it was a pretty bad game and didn't really live up to the legacy. I didn't really help that because I had no enjoyment no that game either so no because I remember hand. I remember you playing it and I think yeah that must have obviously been an influence on me as well but what I saw when I was on the PlayStation store is it said try free demo so I thought do you know what I am a consumer I am capable of making up my own mind I have a free demo here why not and I tell you what since downloading that demo I enjoyed it from day one and I, I was telling you before that I got massively into it being an RPG that in the demo alone, I started it three times. You spent your 10-hour free trial recreating your character and then getting an hour into the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. But this is what um, is a blessing and a curse, I think, with RPG games. So like Skyrim, uh, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, any of the ones where they allow you to customise your character and go really big into the backstory. My crutch for years was trying to make it too much like me and then what had happened like so I noticed this most around when Skyrim first came out I was trying to make him look just like me and the thing is you never could so you could use you know move the eyes around make a big nose put the chin out a bit put the ears out or or whatever Um, and then you'd be moving around and I what I'd find I keep doing was then going into third person view and spinning the camera around to look at me and go so what do I look like and then go oh I'm hideous <laughs> just you get it absolutely spot on in this all these presets and everything done and then as soon as it the character breathes yeah like, no that's wrong <laughs> I think I remember that with um with Mass Effect the original one uh, when I was making Shepard I I used to take so many side profile pics, front on, stuff like that, trying to get it perfect. Yeah. And I'd get it pretty close, 
But then what would happen is the minute he starts talking is the way they map the face is like, my mouth doesn't move yeah. like that. And I'd be like, what the hell is that? Trying to role play like Zeke in space or Zeke versus dragons instead of just role playing a different character. <laughs> yeah. So I got way too deep. And what kind of happened with Mass Effect's Andromeda as well was I um, I was making the I was making the character and then it came to the bit like, choose your name. And... I, um, I I changed it from the main one. Uh, I think the guy's called Scott. Scott Ryder. Ryder's the surname anyway, whether you're you know, male, yeah. uh, male or female. Shepherd was the surname regardless. Like, yeah. Yeah, because you had uh, Commandress Shepherd as well, like Lady Shepherd. Fem Shep. Fem That's Shep. what it was. God, I'm trying to remember the name. Yeah. Um, so then I was messing around with it going, hmm, sometimes I, on things, call myself Ziggy. Uh, so... I tried Ziggy and I was like, that's not very serious for the tone of this game. <laughs> and then uh, I, I think I tried Anthony or something because that's my middle name and went, mm, Anthony Ryder, nah. And then went to put Ziggy again, but instead of Z-I-G-G-I-E, I put Z-I-G-G-Y, looked at it and went, no. And then I was like, what if I called him Zig? Like Z-I-G, because it's not Zeke, so it wouldn't be uh, too immersive. Um, not that I couldn't make it with the same name and be a different person, but you know, uh, then I called it Zig and I was like, mm, no, I don't like that. And then I came off it and carried on, uh, making tweaks to the guy. Yeah. And then when I came back to it, I pressed start and didn't realize I'd gone back to change my name. Oh. So he was called Zig and it was Zig Rider. And I just remember similar to like this Skyrim thing where, um, you stop and look around at yourself and then look at it. I was also looking in the menu to read my name over and over again. It said like Zig Ryder and I was like, Lieutenant Zig Ryder, Pathfinder Zig Ryder. Like just trying to say it to see yeah, how it yeah. sounded. I was like, no. <laughs> so I got quite far, um, quite far into the demo. The demo lets you do two planets. Um, just to kind of when you first start landing on planets because you play as uh, the Pathfinder, that's your title, and the idea is you've moved to the Andromeda Galaxy from the Milky Way and you're trying to find footholds in new planets and find viable planets for civilization to thrive. So it's just getting to the bit where you're finding a planet you could possibly use and then after that it goes like you got to buy the game. So I didn't realise it the first time around, but I got all the way basically to that. So I got right to the end of the demo, right. and then that's when I was talking to you about it going... Because this is, this is how much it troubled me, uh, <laughs> listeners. I spoke to Luke about it and explains my quandary going, I just don't like his name. <laughs> <laughs> so I then went back, changed it to... I was struggling to think of a name and I thought well it's all Space Fiend tell you what I'll call him Neil Ryder because then it'll be like oh his dad named him after the first astronaut Neil Armstrong whether he was the first one or not I can't remember but you know I wasn't looking that too far into it I just thought I'll call him Neil Ryder and do you know what since then I've been fine oh really yeah just because uh, it's such I've, a different name to yours then I guess yeah it's not uh, it's not as close it's yeah. not as close to home so I can kind of enjoy it a bit. He do, he looks a little bit. He's got some of my features like my nose and chin and stuff like that. Uh, but no, I can happily play as someone else. And it's not like this yeah. is Zeke. This is Neil. But I've been properly enjoying it. Um, I Because, it, you know, it's not really like a sequel. It's kind of like a spin-off. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're like, I can't remember if you're a distant relative of Shepherd or you just knew Shepherd, your dad knew Shepherd or something. I think because your dad was on the council. Well, yeah. not maybe not on the council, but he was in the Citadel. Because um, I, I can't remember at what time uh, this was based because what happens is when you when everyone went off to Andromeda on their trip, a load of people got put in cryo and it was like um, every, people started getting woken up about 650 years oh, yeah. in the future because that's how long it took to get from the Milky Way to Andromeda. Um, so I'm not sure. I think this expedition must have left before the whole Reaper attack in the Milky yeah. Way. So it's kind of interesting because I'm. That's another thing I'm really enjoying about it because I was so heavily invested and enjoyed the Mass Effect trilogy. Is um, thinking when I'm hearing them talk about stuff and then going, "Oh, did they know about the Reapers? Did that happen?" Yeah. Or talking about something that happened back, trying to like piece together exactly what had happened of the trilogy before they left. Yeah, and in my head, I'm going, "Ah, I know about that," yeah. and it it helps you enjoy it a bit more, but. I think I think they gave you all the characters a bit too early on. Yeah, they they let that happen really fast. I yeah. remember in the first one, you didn't get Garrus for ages. No. But then when you got him, he was like this... You'd read about him at this point. You'd known how much of a badass he was going to be. And then you finally got him in your party. And it was like, yes! Yeah, yeah. Garrus! But it was like... Yeah, an hour or so in, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you've now got everyone. Yeah, you've got a full squad. Yeah. Go, have fun. Which isn't too bad, but it, at first, first impression, I was like, oh, right, okay. It felt like, like you were saying with um, Mass Effect, but also Final Fantasy games and bits like that, you unlock new characters as you played the game. I know one of your big bugbears recently with like characters in games is all the fighting games these days just giving you everyone straight off the bat as well so I know like stuff being too easily unlockable mm. is one of those things that does irritate you in games these days because mm. just everything's just handed to you on a plate it is it's it used to be part of the gameplay experience when, when I was younger I had a PlayStation I remember playing Tekken 3 over and over again with all the different characters to unlock everyone. Yeah, it was like a state with Tekken Free as well. It was like almost a status symbol to say I've unlocked gone. Yeah. Like you had to go through some real serious stuff to get gone and it was like, yeah, I've got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well like on Final Fantasy it's I uh, I managed to get on Final Fantasy 7 it's like I managed to get Vincent because yeah. he was he was a he was a character you get but there was one of these dialogue options in the game where if you didn't choose the right option, you couldn't get him. Yeah. And then... Because um, he was fully optional, wasn't he? Yeah. But then getting him and being like, oh, yeah, that's great. But then nowadays it's like, oh, do you want to play this game? Here's absolutely everyone. And then with Mass Effect Andromeda, it was like, yeah, you're an hour in. Here you go. Here's everyone. Now enjoy the game. Yeah. It didn't, hasn't annoyed me that much, but it was just definitely I noticed it from the old one. Um and one thing when I was watching like gameplay videos and bits like this in the past on it was the introduction of jumping because you couldn't jump in Mass Effect. So oh, no, yeah. It looked really weird. Like if you're watching someone do it, it makes the gameplay look really kind of janky. Yeah. But when you're actually controlling it yourself with a controller, it makes a lot of sense. It adds a whole um, vertical level <laughs> to like the the gameplay yeah. and without a doubt even though I didn't get on very well with Andromeda 
after this after talking to you about it, I do want to go back and give it a go again. Yeah, man. It is without a doubt the series best for combat. Yeah. Like it's taken all of the really good combat of Mass Effect 3. It's got rid of anything that wasn't quite working and added that jump. So you can I remember there was like a desert um I think it was one like one of the first planets. You go to like a desert tea area or it's like a snow Eos? Yeah. It's a bit and, like um, Mars. Yeah, 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 that's the one. And um, there was all these areas and everything was coming at me, but I was able to jump on a roof with my jetpack and then hide behind some cover up there. Mm. So I had like the high flank and I was just shooting down at everyone and absolutely decimating. What I didn't realise is Dave got that mechanic as well. Right. And one of them just came up behind me and just like shanked me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> ah. Because <laughs> we used to have a lot of fun playing Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. That was like yeah. a horde mode, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, the same with Andromeda. I'll have to give that a go, man. Because it's like the same as Andromeda, except we won't be hunkered down in one area, hope, like hoping, crying <laughs> and whimpering that they don't come towards us anymore because we need to heal. Yeah, there was that one map, uh, which I think was like an ice base, and you were fu- fighting... Oh, no, because you could choose who you were fighting yeah. and then the map, but we always seem to choose the Geth. And there was that one like office where there was some desks and me and you would like corner behind the desks because yeah, there was like two entrances into it weren't there yeah and then we were watching them and they're like go 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 <laughs> and then like i need to go and get ammo and they're running off and like <laughs> the other one trying to hold the fort there was quite intense man but i played that till like three four o'clock in the morning most nights as well yeah that was crazy um and that's kind of semi-related but i'm you know, I, I'm st- I don't have that much time to play video games as much as I did say ten years ago when you could just go home and play it all the time. So I'm playing it. Maybe I've struggled to play it this week, but if I am, on whenever I do, it's uh, unless it's the weekend and I've got nothing on. Um, me and Sarah aren't doing anything. I can maybe play it for like four hours, but during uh, during the week, I might get an hour. Yeah, like at night time. Uh, but then even then now it's like I'm starting to feel tired. It's like I've got to turn this off. Whereas, yeah. you know, when you were younger, it's like, I could just play this all night. Yeah, absolutely. So given how much there is to do and the amount of time I currently have to do it, I think I'm going to be playing Andromeda for quite a bit, which then would also, for the 1999, which was a deluxe edition, I think that was money well spent. Yeah, definitely, because it's going to keep you occupied for ages mm. as well. So you'll just be able to play it, pick it up. It's quite. I like what I like about Mass Effect and uh, the Dragon Age games mm. is they are perfect games to pick up, play for an hour, save it, put it back down again. Yeah, like you don't have to play for like seven hour sittings to get it. Like you don't really get into like games like Skyrim properly unless you've got a day to sit down, mm. venture into Skyrim, and you play it for a full day session. Yeah. You can't pick it up, play it for an hour, and then put it back down, because you'll get through one person, you'll walk through one town, and mm. that'll be your hour up. Yeah, I remember trying to do that with a Witcher 3, because uh, I bought that, and then stopped playing it for a little bit, I think another game came out that I wanted to play, tried to get back into it, and I just haven't been able to get back into it, Man, and I never the, did. With the, with the time you've got for video games at the minute I think I've got over 200 hours clocked into The Witcher 3 it's mm. a big big game and it's one of those ones that's incredible mm. like it is a 10 out of 10 game it's one of my favourite games of all time but because of that 
and all and the fact that all the side quests mean something and they're all interesting mm. you just want to do everything you yeah want to do everything from collect all the gwent cards to mm. do all the side quests and all the hunts because you sort of you role play as a witcher and his main job is to hunt monsters so if you get a monster contract you want to make sure you go and hunt that monster because it's his job it's excellent <laughs> but it's one of those ones where until you've got some like time where you can sit down maybe like a week off where you're doing nothing <laughs> mm, yeah i know but i think like we were talking about before um i'm definitely from the way i'm playing games is what happens is i i don't tend to get a game on release just because of i don't have the time and whatnot to go into it but i end up buying them later on when they're cheaper and getting more value for money like i think what was Andromeda when it first came out? Like 40 quid game? I think I paid 45 quid for it. 45. Yeah. And then and then digital again, it could have been up to about 60, 70 yeah. on some of the editions. And I... Well, the deluxe edition, which you've got for... 20 quid. 20 quid. 1999. Was, um, I think that was 70 quid. Really? When it came out. Yeah. I would not have paid 70 quid for it, but I tell you what, for 20 quid, it's, it's great. Well, it's the thing as well, is it's... Um, a big thing in the gaming industry at the moment is to not pre-order. If you pre-order a game, you're a bad consumer of video games. Yeah. If you wait a year or six months of the game, like I've got a friend, Jack, at work, he's only just started getting into Hitman because he waits for everything to be patched. Yeah. And then he feels he gets the full real experience of the game. Yeah. And it's happened loads with games that I've... Because I buy a lot of games on release day. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a sucker for it and I'll pick it up. So I picked up like Neo on release day and then they released loads of DLC and then they released Neo Complete Edition. I was like, so what? My 50 quid didn't get me the Complete Edition of this game. So now I've got to spend 50 quid on it again to get the Complete Edition. <sighs> Sucks, doesn't it? That That is how it is. And like you were saying, the, the guys who pre-order games before they come out, it's like you're giving the developer the money before they've even developed the product. Yeah. So it's, it's not really letting the product talk for itself, you know, in any other kind of situation like... Okay, because another big passion of mine is music and guitars. If I pre-ordered a guitar and gave them all the money like months before the guitar came out, and then when it turned up, like the wood was rubbish and it didn't work very well and it was a bit crappy, you'd be like, "Well, that was stupid." Yeah. Whereas if you bought it on the day uh, when it when it came out, as opposed to pre-ordering, you go, "Look, this isn't any good." You take it back and refund it, and yeah, then. Absolutely the company would kind of learn from that a bit and be able to sort the bits out but I think it's kind of pre-order culture which as you're rightly saying like people are kind of stopping now they're a bit more aware of yeah um the pre-order culture is kind of falling away a bit and what it's actually doing is showing that certain games or something like that aren't up to scratch yeah and that you know come on guys sort it out so that's our one of our tips on cool stuff tonight is don't pre-order games unless you really like it. Go ahead. <laughs> if you if it's a well done franchise and you know it's going to be well, saying that Mass Effect was a well done franchise and that came out as a mess. So. Yeah. Um, but you mentioning guitars actually segues me nicely into another cool thing that I've got. Go on. Um, which to get some context for it, I've got to tell a bit of a story. Go ahead. So we went up to was it to Bristol to see Devil? You know. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, February last year in Bristol, yeah. Yeah, so we went all the way out to Bristol to see Devil You Know. Um, I was quite excited to see them as sort of, I quite like uh, Howard from Killswitch. Mm. Um, but it wasn't the main reason I went. 
So the main reason I went was to see a band called Westfield Massacre with yeah, a front yeah. man called Tommy Vex. Um, but just before Devil You Know had started their tour, Tommy Vex and his band Westfield Massacre had parted ways. Um, I think it was something to do with Tommy Vex being shot again or something like that. He gets shot like three times a year. Oh, right, good. Um, and so he quit the band and Westfield Massacre was no more. So Tommy Vex is one of my favourite vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got an absolutely phenomenal voice. And I was really, really gutted that um, I wasn't going to get to see him play live because mm-hmm. he, he had officially retired from music at that point. Um, so fast forward maybe two years, I think, possibly. One, maybe two, yeah. One, maybe two years. And um, you sent me a cover of Zombie. Oh yeah, by the Bad Day Wolves. By Bad Wolves. And I was listening to that song on repeat and I was listening to some of the other songs by it and I was like, I recognise this guy's voice and I could not put my finger on it for ages. And then I remember it dawned on me about six o'clock in the morning at the gym and I messaged you going, I've worked out why I like Bad Wolves so much. And, I was like, and it was really cool because I've worked, I found out that Tommy Vex has got this new band, Bad Wolves, which yeah. I've now been binge listening. <laughs> like there's no tomorrow because... I just think he, I've I've always liked yeah. his voice. I think it's fantastic. So it's nice to see him doing new music. I've got uh, visions in my head of you early in the morning on the treadmills doing your run, and then just be like, "It's Tommy Vex! It's Tommy Vex!" <laughs> and then running off the treadmill, going into the uh, the locker room, getting your phone out, and going, "It's Tommy Vex!" <laughs> yeah, that's, I know who it is now. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm at home in bed going, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> no it isn't <laughs> yeah well yeah that was quite cool um, Zombie by Bad Wolves had a bit of publicity recently because unfortunately um, I can't remember is it Dolores or Reardon I'm not too sure how you'd say her name but the um, singer from the Cranberries who originally did it yeah. uh, she passed away and th- what was apparently supposed to happen was Bad Wolves were already going to be doing a cover of Zombie and Dolores mm. was in the studio working on the cover with them. Right. And then it was either, I couldn't remember exactly, I'll look it up, but it was something along the lines of um, she was either due to be in the studio or had only just got there or something and then unfortunately she passed away so they didn't finish it. So they've decided to do, um, carry it on in her honour. Oh, right. And release it that way. So then, yeah, that, that song garnered loads of attention. And Bad Wolves have been over to Ireland and performed it somewhere over there. And I think the Prime Minister or, or whatever... Um, is it a Prime Minister that Ireland, Northern Ireland has? Uh, possibly. It might. I, I reckon it's probably a Prime Minister. I imagine so. Yeah. But he... Um, he yeah he basically approved of it as well so they've played that as well um, yeah it, like I was saying they played it over there and it's just been really well received over the world and it was just a, a good kind of time as well for that to come out because of the news I mean it sounds a bit morbid when you put it on that like the success was off the back of her yeah. passing but it was it was a good song um, have they got any others or yeah there's um I think it's either an EP or an album. Right, come out now. Um, that's really good. I, mm. I re- highly recommend it. It's um, it's a lot heavier than their cover of Zombie. The cover of Zombie is like the slow song on the album. The ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, but the rest of it is is very much a lot more Westfield. Ma- you can tell the Westfield massacre and the God forbid roots. Yeah, in the um, in the the whole album, mm-hmm. um, and you can sort of tell that. So when he left Westfield Massacre for a bit before he's done Bad Walls, um, Tommy Vex also stood in. Um, I just remembered this from when I was looking it up a second ago, but he stood in on um, the tour for about a year with for Five Finger Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, really? So he replaced their singer for a bit as well. Ivan then, Moody. Is yeah, it? yeah. Because I'm not sure if he was like ill or. Something. I think he was an alcoholic or right. something like that and he they basically had to kind of he needed some away time or something like that and they yeah right. I assume that's probably when Tommy would have yeah so I think that's when so you can tell he's got this he's got a lot more experience of like the a bigger touring band yeah because Five Finger Death Punch is by no means a small band and Tommy Vex has only ever really been in smaller bands I mean Divine Heresy and Snot hmm. were quite big for what they were like on the metalcore scene, yeah. Um, but they're not f- anywhere near the size of like Five Finger Death Punch. Death so Punch, they're kind of a like disturbed level, aren't yeah. they? Like it's the kind of music you'd expect to be coming out the speakers of an American attack helicopter. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. I remember, oh, Disturbed massively getting like that for me, like uh, around the Indestructible album. Oh yeah. Or maybe before, maybe 10,000 Fists, because I remember hearing Stricken, uh, that being played a lot. And I remember Disturbed went over to see the troops a lot in Afghanistan and play for them. Um, And they just became the kind of like, uh, in my head, I kind of associate it with like army metal. But it was the kind of stuff you expected them to be playing. Um, So, yeah, Five Finger Death Punch are a bit like that. But I've never really been into Five Finger Death Punch. I I like them. I've always liked them, hmm. um, but I like like their singles they release. Yeah, and then don't really care for the album. It's no. one of those kinds of bands where they they've got like a few a couple of absolute bangers per per album, but hmm. then the rest of the stuff just it feels like filler. Yeah. Um, but then I'm not quite. Um, I like the the sort of softer metal. Yeah. Side of the scene, because I'm a bit of a pop punk. <laughs> as well, so. I'm a pop punk boy. <laughs> so I've just um, found on Wikipedia, just we we're talking about Dolores O'Riordan. Um, it's saying here on the 15th of January 2018, at the age of 46, while in London for a recording session, O'Riordan died suddenly at the London Hilton on Park Lane Hotel in Mayfair. Uh, the cause of death was not immediately made public. Police said it was being treated as suspicious. No, it was not being treated as suspicious. Um, so yeah, it looks like she didn't make it into the recording studio. Oh right, that's unfortunately. So that's why uh, Zombie at that time as well by Bad Wolves had yeah such a big impact. Um, you know, a second ago I mentioned that I think like someone tries to kill Tommy Vext about three times a year. Right. Well, here's an article dated 29th of March 2018. Mm-hmm. It just says it's a quote from Tommy Vext. I, recent, I testified against my twin brother who tried to kill me when he was high during a home invasion. Yeah. This is literally a month ago this had happened. And it's just... Something about him is just... He just attracts people trying to kill him. Mm. He's a 
big guy as well. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally try and kill him because he's huge. Yeah, he's like. Do you remember when we saw Howard for the first time? And yeah, he was yeah. like massive. Well, he's like a more ripped Howard. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but that was cool. That was um, when you said that Devil You Know gig. That was good anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Because like, um, Devil You Know in legally are no more because they've reformed um, and now called Light the Torch. And I think they're playing slightly different music. But... Devil You Know was kind of a big deal because Howard um, Howard Jones at the height of Kill Switch, like he disappeared because he got madly depressed. Yeah, and he was on um, Jamie Jaster, the vocalist of Hatebreed, got his own music podcast. Right. Howard Jones was on that, and he was talking about there was a time like he was very close to putting a gun to his head right. and ending it, and he just went off radar uh, at a very important time for Kill Switch and. He just they couldn't get hold of him, and then they just they just took it as all right. Then we got to move on, and then they did all their yeah. auditions, and then Jesse um, rejoined. Um, so it was quite good. So it was quite so. Um, as I was saying, Devil You Know was quite significant because then after all of Howard's issues, he managed to get over them, and then join a new band, and then he came back with you know a plum. Uh, and released two albums with Devil You Know. We saw them when they were um, promoting their second album, yeah. They Bleed Red, and it was great. Well, I think my favourite song on that was The Way We Die. That was a tune. Yeah. An absolute band. And with the, with the music video where they're in the strip club and they've got those burning angel porn stars like dancing. Who? <laughs> According to Wikipedia. And, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was really good. But um, I... Another band who I fell in love with that night was another supporting band, Wearing Scars. Oh yeah, they were fantastic, amazing, and they had um, the vocalist. I can't remember his name now. I'm gonna have to look that up to fact check. Um, but he was really good, and the guitarist, um, I think he's called Andy James. I'm gonna look this up a minute, but um, he was really good as well. And he's actually got a load of guitar tutorials on youtube and stuff like that so i think he's a bit of a he's a guitar instructor right but he was really good and there was some of the songs but it was the mix of that as well because you know uh metalcore music like that is normally expected to hear big growling vocals and yeah. then like a melody because metalcore derives from hardcore punk and metal um whereas the singer of wearing scars i'm gonna find out all the right uh, they were a really nice surprise because we didn't know anything about them. No, going into that and that when they and then the first support band, in my opinion, were terrible. Yeah, they had that one weird guy that was like the weird cousin. Oh, was that Oni? Yeah, and he was like, what was he playing? He was playing like um, a xylophone like or something. Four xylophones at once yeah. or something, and it wasn't even like. It didn't even sound like it was in tune. No. He was just going like... He looked like he was just hitting random xylophone keys at the same time. <laughs> and I think we made you made a joke that night that um, you could tell whose like, mum owned the recording studio. <laughs> like, he basically owned the recording studio and let them record there as long as he was in the band. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to fact check a minute... It wasn't a xylophone he was playing. It would have been a glockenspiel. Xylophones are wooden. Glockenspiels are metal. So, because they are a metal band. 
Um, and just a further fact check with Wearing Scars, the vocalist was called Chris Clancy. That was it. Yeah, guitar is Andy James. Uh, bass was Craig Dawes. Drums, Lee Newell. Um, the album I really like of theirs, which I think they've only got one anyway, is uh, called A Thousand Words. But I was blown away by his voice and just all of it. I was like, oh, Christ. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. He had a really good stage presence as well. Like, he proper went for it. Mm. He wasn't, like, just sort of stood there not doing much. No. Like, the only guys... Sorry, the only guys for slagging you off. But um, they just stood there. Like, the most animated guy was the glockenspiel guy, to be fair. I, I think I remember their bassist was... He was looked a little bit like Jesus, had long hair and a beard, and had quite a sick bass. Yeah. Uh, he was giving it some, but the rest of it, it was just a bit like, meh. I don't, I don't remember anything of Oni apart from Matey on the Glockenspiels. I remember them, they did that one song, which I can't remember, and they were like, this is a song we did with Lamb of God, and then he tried to do the whole thing, and it was like, I can understand why this song might be good if you've got someone of the pedigree mm. of, whose name again? Randy Blythe. Randy Blythe from, Lamb I should have known that, because he's, part of my favourite Westfield Massacre song. <laughs> um, uh, if you've got like his power coming into that song as well, but they didn't. Mm. So it was a bit of a shame, really. But yeah. they, they, I mean, they, they're probably fine and they're probably really good if that sort of thing floats your boat a bit more, but they're a bit too haphazard yeah. for me, personally. Well, you know, it's all subjective, isn't it? And that is the whole point of this podcast, Cool Stuff. You might not agree with what we think is cool. You might have thought when we were gushing for a bit about video games, you might have been like, oh, my God. Or you might have been like, yeah, boys, you say it. You carry on. Or, yeah, I love Devon too. Or, actually, I hate Devon because I'm from Somerset. It's the subjective. rubbish. <laughs> it's subjective. And part of this is we're exploring it and just finding out what cool is by what we think is cool. Maybe after we've done it enough, we'll find some sort of correlation once we get some complex algorithms in the background that are picking up on what mean cool. <laughs> we'll get like a little, a little like a cool in the middle and then like go off it. It's like that, um, that South Park episode where Kanye West is in it and they're calling him a gay fish because he doesn't oh, get yeah. the fish sticks joke. Uh, yeah, and then he's got that big like, what does... A fish stick have in common with me and he's listing it all. We'll do that. We'll be like it's got like pie charts and everything. Yeah. So we'll we'll get pie charts of what is cool and then put that on one side and then we'll put whatever we think is cool on one side and maybe make some correlations. <laughs> or maybe we won't. Maybe this is just a little bit of a piece. <laughs> as long as we get vans. Yeah. What's um carrying on with bands and music, a band I'm really into at the moment is an industrial metal band called Three Teeth. Um I think I showed you guys a video of them when we came over last, but granted everyone was really drunk after we were watching boxing. I don't know if I was awake at that point. <laughs> You'd probably been taken up to bed. Yeah. Um but so a bit of a backstory, I'm in a I'm in a industrial metal band and before before that I was in like a heavy metal band, a rock covers band, bits like this, and it's it's kind of changed my perception of music and whatnot. I wasn't massively into industrial metal or like I didn't yeah. really know anything about say nine inch nails and similar. Closest yeah, I maybe stuff. yeah, Manson. Closest I really knew growing up was Ramstein. I bloody loved Ramstein, but other than that I didn't really go much yeah. further. But the whole 
industrial metal idea is where everything's really digitized and it's a big emphasis on machinery and that's why there's lots of synthesis and it, it kind of shares a lot of the same space with like EDM. It's funny because it's a bit of um, a bit of a middle ground between us as well because like I never really got into Ramstein. Yeah. But when you sort of went into this industrial metal band, I was like, oh, cool. Look at all this cool Nine Inch Nail stuff that I love and look at all this cool Marilyn Manson stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, this reminds me of this Ramstein song. Yeah, man. And kind of had like that nice little middle ground of comparing all the industrial stuff it's our demilitarized zone yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah anyway it's um i'll have to get some more info up about them but i love everything about them like uh, the songs are great the songs remind me a lot of um the the late the doom relaunch on uh ps4 xbox one oh yeah the kind of music involved on that very similar kind of like electro metal awesome uh their kind of their imagery is um very striking like reds uh and they've got like uh snm stuff like this going on in their music videos just being quite provocative um but <laughs> it's all it's all uh what were you doing there you swear that cat oh we are now being interrupted by a big oh we are he's opened the door <laughs> no gizmo go away <laughs> <laughs> so what was happening there is uh, if you can picture the room my my chair is facing away from the door <laughs> Luke is facing the door so halfway through I'm trying to talk about three teeth he starts putting his middle finger up at the cat so I'm turning around going what on earth uh, and then we noticed it was Gizmo his massive ginger tom giant beast he's basically a small dog uh, just basically punched the door open yeah and then we said no and closed it and away he went. So that's an interesting segue. That's a cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> Gizmo's cool. He'll, he'll be a part of cool stuff. So a bit of background. I just got the Wikipedia up of Three Teeth just because I realised I went, do you know who I really like? I like this band called Three Teeth. And then I'm struggling to explain them. <laughs> Go, they're industrial metal and yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I like them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, that might be enough, but I'm going to... Uh, Go a bit further, I'm going to read a little bit of their Wikipedia page. So, three teeth, uh, in brackets, stylized as uh, three teeth with the first E. Uh, so it's, I'll try again. It's, so it's three, capital T, a capital E that's facing the wrong way, uh, a capital E facing the right way, capital T, capital H, three teeth. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Are an American industrial band from Los Angeles, California. United States. Formed in 2013, the band consists of vocalist Alexis Minkola, guitarist Trace, uh, Chase Brauner, keyboardist uh, Ex- Xavier. Is that because you know we yeah. ha- we know a guy called Javier, but that's a J. So it's probably Xavier Swafford and drummer Andrew Means. Uh, their self-titled debut album was released in 2014 and reached the number eight spot on iTunes Electronic Music Chart. The band is known for the use of menacing visuals during live performances. So uh, there's a picture on their on their Wikipedia page, and it's very strong red lighting used. Uh, oh, yeah. No other kind of stage lighting, so it's silhouettes on stage with this heavy driving electro music. Um, I don't know their original album, uh, the one that came up on my Spotify. How I found them, it was on my Spotify Discovery playlist. Um, was their second one shut down? dot exe uh and 
I just I really like it and because it's quite similar to what I'm doing in my band at the moment I've kind of got more of an appreciation yeah. for it and I'm finding I'm getting inspired by that and other stuff to write similar things uh, for my current band so they are playing in they're actually playing in the UK this month at no, sorry, this is because we're technically still in April, I, but I got paid, so I feel like it's, it's May already. It's May um, now. In May, they are playing in the UK, but they're only playing in London and Manchester, uh, and I'm thinking of actually driving up to Manchester on Friday. Uh, it's Friday the 11th, and going to go see them and then probably come back down. The issue I've got is I've got uh, my girlfriend Sarah, she's got a friend's wedding the day after, so uh. I'm going to have to make sure I'm back on time and stuff like that. But, yeah, to come full circle, Three Teeth and Industrial Metal Bands, I'm really enjoying them at the moment. Uh, if Industrial Metal is your thing, if you like Ramstein, Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, if you, I'd even hazard to say if you like dubstep, if you like drum and bass, EDM, things like that, I think you'll appreciate one or two of their songs, maybe their albums. So if I like Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson and dubstep, I should definitely check it out. <laughs> then, then you should get right on their Spotify or their iTunes or Stand their Amazon the Music. playlist. <laughs> so whilst we're still on music, um, uh, his name escapes me now, but um, it segues a little bit into uh, one of my other cool stuffs, but I'll give the, the background as well. Is um, You know, obviously, you know the band The Who. Yep. Uh, one of the most classic sort of rock bands of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Roger Daltrey is a soul singer now. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I heard him do one of his songs the other day. Um, apparently he tried to do soul when he was younger because uh, he was always the straight edge one as well because like, he didn't do any of the drugs or okay. alcohol, which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, so he tried to do soul when he was younger, but he did the soul music, but he had none of the soul feel mm-hmm. to him so he's been trying to do that and the way I found out about him is through my uh, one of my other cool stuffs is uh, Graham Norton <laughs> I've come to a realisation recently is really cool now I don't know what it is I started watching the new series I think it's because he keeps having Marvel characters on there at the moment yeah um, but it's delightfully funny chat show now yeah and I've just been watching it and I'm like oh man, this is really cool now, I really like this. He had like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt on there the other day. Hmm. And the amount of stuff he gets out of people as well. Is, he's, he's, our, he's our Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Like, and he does that and he gets like these people on there and he's chatting away and all that sort of stuff. It was when he had um, Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man on and he was trying to quiz him about Infinity War. Hmm. And he was like, so Tom, what can you tell us about Infinity War? He's like, he just goes, nothing, Graham. And then about 20 minutes later, he's like, yeah... So you may have done that when you were doing um, some of the stuff in Infinity War. Can you tell us more about that? And Tom Holland was like, no, really, Graham, I can't tell you anything. And then he was like, they don't tell me anything because I already spoiled Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a fierce beard at the moment. Oh, it's Norton, a glorious beard. Yeah, I, th- I think he's definitely got one of those uh, beards that come with age. Yeah. Like, you know, when when you get older and it starts filling out better and you look like you could uh, work in a lighthouse. Yeah, absolutely. He's got proper lighthouse beard. Like, oh, what's... Who's that mate from Tintin? Is it Captain Haddock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Captain mean. Haddock beard. He's got a Captain Haddock beard. But it's weird because when I was younger, Graham Norton was this weird, quirky, hmm. 
bloke that just always pushed it a bit too far and I didn't I just didn't like him at all no and then as I've gotten older I've realized I've come to appreciate him and him pushing these celebrities a bit too far mm. it's hilarious to me now yeah and he kind of just makes them feel a bit uncomfortable and I really really like that um I watched one just before we were recording funnily enough and he had Benedict Cumberbatch on um who I won't talk about too much because that's a whole episode of cool. Benadryl cucumbers <laughs> patch. <laughs> I've got one, but I'm not going to say it because it's not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> NSFW. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, it's only a little little cool stuff mm. person. But Graham Norton has become one of my cool people now that I really I'm really enjoying this, the stuff he's doing. Yeah. It's really good, and I'll tune into him as regularly now as I tune into like PlayStation Access for example. Yeah. And that that's that's quite good for like uh, viewers, listeners, you're not viewing anything, you're listening. <laughs> you're viewing with your ears. Anyway, I would, I would tune into game stuff every week without yeah. fail. To be fair, that's nerd. that's what I um a lot of my things on YouTube will be game related because it seems that's the best kind of content on YouTube for talk shows and stuff. It's all yeah. about video games or maybe the stuff that holds my interest. Uh, I do watch a lot of guitar and music stuff as well, but then I guess that is showing exactly what YouTube is. It's suitable for your interests. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go a bit strange for my next one. Cool stuff. Uh, point number four of mine today is... Polish sausage. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I, I got given some the other day by uh, my mate Matt who's bassist in my band and it's because his, his missus is from Poland and he just said oh, try some of this and it was like very it was very thin it was kind of like pepper army but oh, yeah. it just tasted really good it, it had about like 12 sausages in this little bag he gave me um, <laughs> he, he gave them out of the freezer on the way to Paul, our, our front man's house. And um, I left them in the car and they had defrosted by the time we were going home. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and I ended up eating about five or six just on the way back from Honor <laughs> into Exeter. That's about a 20-minute drive. I was like, oh, these are really good. But I'd, um, I hadn't realised until recently, but there was someone I someone I work with. Um, she's from Lithuania. And she was saying... English sausages are rubbish. Yeah. And for ages, I was like, how dare you? <laughs> but the more I thought about it, I was like, uh, yeah. Do you know what? Um, it makes a lot of sense because just when you, you know, if you're going to Little Oldie, any of those kind of places, or if you're abroad, the sausages and meat look so much different to how yeah. it's prepared here. It looks a lot more genuine, and I edible. guess. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I, I don't think we can spend ages and ages and ages talking about Polish sausage, but that was one I thought that was cool. No, everyone else has better sausage than us, to yeah. be fair. You think, technically, salami, pepperoni, chorizo, mm. that all comes in sausage form. Yeah. And I'll have any of those three sausages over an English sausage any day. Like I'll have a chorizo sandwich over a sausage sandwich. Yeah. Without a doubt. It is, it's just, maybe, maybe it's because we're English as well, but it feels a bit fancier. But mm. it's also like we're being told and when you kind of wake up to it, wake up, people! It's, uh, <laughs> the English sausage isn't that great. 
it is not that great. And I'm I'm sorry if there's going to be any diehard England, you know, England fanatics, English sausage fans, <laughs> English sausage enthusiasts <laughs> are going to be penning rather stern emails to there's us. There's going to be some like guy with his like sausage making machine listening to this podcast. He's going to go. What? <laughs> We're going to get an email now. Yeah. He furiously stopped making his sausage, walked over to his uh, his mobile and turned off the podcast. <laughs> and threw his laptop out the window. <laughs> and then put it in with the sausages. Yeah. And then that's why our sausages aren't very good, because they've got bits of electronics in them. From angry farmers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What have uh, you uh, got any more? I've got uh, one more on my list. Okay. Have, actually, no, I've got two more on my list. One, it's just, I don't know much about it, but I saw it when I was looking on my phone earlier, is at the moment there's a Kickstarter for an alarm clock, uh, which has a coffee filter on it. Right. And Ten minutes before your alarm set to go off, it brews the coffee for you. So you wake up and there's a freshly brewed coffee. Oh, there. nice. Um, it's like 800 quid, so I'm not going to buy one. That's the non-cool part of it. But. Yeah. I thought um, that used to be a thing. Like, uh, I think there was there was some made in the past. I remember almost uh, seeing black and white footage of something along those lines. Oh, that, maybe. Well, maybe it's like a Kickstarter from ages ago and I'm just finding out about it. Or maybe it's kind of like a, a retro revival or something like that. Yeah. They're not commonplace. No. No, that is a cool idea, isn't it? You know, um, there's so many times like I I normally skip breakfast in the morning just because of how I wake up. I don't give myself enough time because yeah. I value being in bed more than getting nutrients. Um, but if there was some sort of machine alarm, you know, that made breakfast for me and I set it with enough time to wake up and eat it, I probably yeah. would. I'm, I'm this, I do skip eating mm. a lot of the time in the morning, but I'm a creature of habit. So I have to wake up. The first thing I do every morning is I have to wake up and I have to have a cereal bar and a pre-workout shake and then I go to the gym. If I don't do that, I get really irritated for the rest of the day. Um, but if I had something making me a coffee for when I wake up, that would be incredible. That would be... What would it be? It would be cool. Yes, it would be cool. I missed one earlier. You know what's going on about uh, the Sprite with a cucumber? Yeah. The first thing I said when I drank that is that it was cool and refreshing. I, I missed the pun. I wrote it down and I was going to write, I'm going to make a cool and refreshing joke about this. And I didn't. And I'm so disappointed in myself now. It is unbelievable. Much much like your uh, your sudden realisation of Tommy Vex, like halfway through the podcast, you went, <laughs> cucumber is cool and refreshing. <laughs> be like, what? No. Just start crying, lying on the floor. Uh, no, that was that would have been good. Um it's funny when you think back on uh, conversations and situations where you go, I could have said that or something, and then you, you cringe inside yeah. of how much of a badass you could have been. Like if you're if you're remembering a, a conversation where someone was sassing you and you didn't have a decent comeback and then a perfect one comes to you half an hour later. Yeah. And you just I oh. find um I get that quite a lot whenever I argue with my wife. Yeah. It's like We'll have an argument and I'll, I'll be left speechless. And then about 45 minutes later, the argument's ended. There's nothing wrong between us anymore. And I'll think, I could say that now. <laughs> I was like, that opens Pandora's box right back up. <laughs> Do you want to go into this again? <laughs> I was like, I've already lost this argument once. Am I willing to lose it again? Because I will. <laughs> and then you're like, Do you know what? I need to say it. 
You can't lose if you've already lost. I'm going for it. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, and my final cool thing is is a video game, so it's harping on a bit about video games, but there's not much to say about it, is um, through all the, all the noise of the latest God of War Father mm-hmm. Simulator 2018, um, the little game's come out called Swords of Ditto that's not really getting as much attention as it could. Right. Um, and it's possibly one of my favourite games on the PlayStation 4 now. It's a co-op, roguelike Zelda game. So... Um, you essentially what happens is you wake up you're in like a Zelda world it's all cartoony graphics and stuff like that it's hard as nails as well Mm -hmm. and you go and get what's called the Swords of Ditto which absorbs all of your power and then you can level up with it and if you die the sword absorbs your power and then the next person who picks the sword up has that power and it's just it's really cool to just play this really hard game oh cool so if you die and then you start something else like you were saying you pick up this sword and you get all your power back from that. Is that kind of a bit like picking up souls? Yeah, 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 almost. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. It's, it's got a souls like, because hmm. being something to do with souls is so fashionable now. Um, but it's definitely got that souls like sort of thing to it where if you, you can go and get that sword and you pick up your powers and stuff like that. Because um, the story essentially starts again every time you die. Okay. So sort of like the Binding of Isaac or Rogue Legacy, these kinds of games where the... Well, roguelikes, basically. Yeah. Um, but you've got this opportunity to go... Because you're not supposed to be able to complete the whole game in one sitting. No. Like, there's a trophy for it, um, but it's called... It's like one of the top gold trophies is to be able to do the whole game in one sitting, but you're not supposed to. You're supposed to... Like Souls, you're supposed to die to learn the game and power up. Yeah, you learn through hardship, don't you? Yeah. And it's quite nice because it's quite funny to just see because it's it's like a Saturday morning kids cartoon in graphics. And um, when you play it in co-op, if your friend dies, you can revive your friend Hmm. with a hug. Uh. So it's like you you run up to them and give them a hug and it revives them and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah. Cool. So that was the Swords of Ditto. Yeah, that's all I really... I just wanted to get something out there about it. And what is it on? It is on PlayStation 4... PC and I think Nintendo Switch or it's coming to Nintendo Switch because everything's coming to Nintendo Switch <laughs> other, other consoles are available Yeah, <laughs> maybe not for Swords of Ditto <laughs> um, okay so I've got um, one. the thing is I don't want to go on forever and ever and ever about what's cool, what's cool so we've basically given ourselves about five or six talking points per episode otherwise we'll be here forever yeah. we'll just talk all night you may think we've been here too long already who knows but my final one I want to end it on which I realise actually uh, is going to fail a bit because it's quite a visual thing Uh, but I have a notepad which looks like a really old book I bought it from Ryman's Uh, it's by a company called Paper Blanks Uh, other companies are available and it just basically looks like a really old textbook that you'd maybe find in a church or something like that yeah um it cost me 15 quid but i thought no do you know what it looks great it looks almost like kind of fake leather it's got kind of like gold pressed into it you've got to treat yourself to stationery yeah well this is things yeah and this is you know like up until recently i've just been using my phone and like google keep like kind of note-based apps to write things down. Scrappy little book, like what I'm rocking. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the free ones you get at work. 
Um, and I just had no need for it, but I, I was kind of going through town and needed a notebook recently, and I, I dipped in, and I was looking over, because they, obviously they cleverly put them put these kind of premium ones next to the standard ones, yeah. and it really caught my eye, and it's because I'd just come back from being on holiday in Rome, uh, so I'd already been to the Vatican and bits and seen these kind of ancient texts yeah. or whatnot, and I thought, that looks amazing. So... It is an incredible notebook. I remember you messaged me about it and I was like, oh, I really want to see this notebook. And then we had a meeting with a client the other day yeah. and you whipped out that notebook and I was this close to whipping out a semi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know what you could... Uh, I'm going to see if it's got any kind of... Okay, so apparently this is called the Black Moroccan. <laughs> so uh, maybe put notepad after that on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't just Google black Moroccan. Otherwise, we can't be held responsible for what you find yeah. on the internet. Make sure your safe search filter is on. And you're um, incognito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when, um, uh, was it for Windows 10 or it was either Microsoft Edge or maybe Internet Explorer, but a while back they were trying to show off a new feature they had that was incognito yeah, mode. Yeah, and it was like presents for your wife's, for your anniversary. It was like a diamond anniversary or something, and it, all the guys were like, porn. Yeah, it was like women were like, oh, that's a really nice way for you to look for a present and for me to never find it. And every man just went, I've been using that for years. <laughs> <laughs> I... Um, well, we use it for a different way as well in our jobs because we're both marketers, as Luke said earlier. But in digital marketing, when you use incognito mode, um, websites and whatnot don't collect your data or uh, don't use cookies and bits yeah. like this. So it's better to kind of, say if you're using an analytics uh, website to monitor your website. Um, or you want to check your search rankings or anything like that. Yeah, it just shows you a truer thing. And one of the best features I've seen incognito mood, you, incognito mood, incognito mood. <laughs> uh, one of the best features I've seen incognito mode used for is um, booking flights. Because there's uh, certain yeah. websites where if you go on it a couple of times with the cookies on your page, they will hike the prices up using yeah. those cookies. Hotels do it as well. It's, it's, it's really bad, isn't it? Like you once you know that is it it's yeah. like oh <laughs> um but yeah you can save yourself money by using incognito mode especially if you've been researching flights trains hotels or anything just use incognito mode to refresh your cookies a little bit i mean you can just delete your history and do it all that way and delete all the cookies and stuff but this is such an easier way of just it just doesn't save them for the first yeah. bit so that's another bit of wisdom we have imparted today <laughs> on cool stuff is use incognito mode so anyway, we kind of segued a bit from my cool notebook being called the Black Moroccan. Uh, it has a little bit of a description, which I haven't even read on the, on the back, about what it is. Capturing the flavour of finely wrought Renaissance-style leather bindings, this intricately, intricately embellished book cover reproduces the craft of delicate gold tooling, which was brought to Europe via the flourishing trade routes to the east. ISBN 978-1-4397-443-7, MIDI format, 144 pages, line designed in Canada. So there you go. It's a Renaissance-style book which is actually a lined notepad 
and that is all I have today for what I think is cool. I think lots more things are cool, but you'll have to listen in to future episodes with Luke and myself as we carry on our journey to find out what is cool. I have been Zeke. And I have been Luke. And this has been Cool Stuff. And for now, we'll see you next time.